Yay. <laughs> Yay, Weird Al. <laughs> oh, man. Star Trek's back. Oh, yeah. Uh, hello, hello, friends of the pod. All of you are friends today as we deal, well, spoiler alert, before we, we're going to talk about Discovery Episodes 2 and 3 today on our Star Trek subpod, Subspace Transmissions. Yeah. If, we may reference Episode 1, I suppose, but, you know, if you're at 2 and 3, you probably already saw <laughs> 1. Uh, so that's the last time we're going to say spoiler alert. I'm, I'm just, I'm sad. I'm sad. A little sad. Why, Andrew? F- Philippa, man. She gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, that went real quick. I knew, <laughs> I knew we couldn't stay with the Shenzhou forever. Right. But the I didn't know the Shen- Discovery. <laughs> Not Shenzhou. Right. But I didn't know the Shenzhou wouldn't be in my heart forever. Yeah. Uh, what a, what a thing, man. Yeah. They really, they kind of leave you on the edge of, you know, uh, Michael gets sent to the brig and they hail the Klingons and then it's like, oh man, who knows what's going to happen? A bunch of Federation ships show up and then all of a sudden now it's like Federation plays right into the Klingons' hands and hey, it's war. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh boy, I I didn't understand that uh, Star Trek was going to start off this earnest, hmm. right? You know, like we're, you weren't ready for it to get this real. Maybe, I previous series in general have at times gotten very uh, desperate, right? For uh, especially Deep Space Nine, maybe during the war or some of the alternate reality stuff. Uh, gets very uh, last man standing even, you know? Yeah, sure. Uh, but I didn't expect a new series to start off as, as intense, maybe, as this one, you know? And, it, and they don't abandon the thread after the end of episode two here either. So that, that was just a surprise to me. But uh, yeah, it seems based on where this episode goes and then where the next episode after this goes that really these first two episodes and the kickoff for this war and stuff are kind of just like the background for what we're actually going to be seeing for the rest of the show. Right. Um, but still very, very upfront and man, uh, Michael does some stuff. <laughs> sure. Sure does. All right. So let's start it off. Episode two. Uh, we don't, we don't go back to the battle at the twin tw- twin stars, right? Yeah, or binary stars. Binary stars, yeah. Uh, for the immediate moment, instead we get to see right. Michael from the past joining the Shenzhou. Yeah, get a little bit of her getting dropped off there by Sarek. Um, and I wanted to talk about it for a second because it's my first moment of huh. With the show, she, uh, Philippa, mentions that she's excited to have Burnham aboard because she's the first human graduate of the Vulcan Science Academy. Yep. 
the Vulcan Science Academy, which would not accept Spock because he's half human. Yep. Huh. Uh, also, you know, uh, Spock being older, I think, than Michael, maybe their attitudes changed in the, you know, 20 years or whatever that's supposed to have taken place between those two. I don't know. How much older is Spock than these characters? Mm. Unclear, I think. Was it, is it been made clear at this point in our actual knowledge of the show? The show hasn't made it clear. Oh, okay. But due to outside knowledge, I know that Spock is older. older. Yeah, we, and we this, this, this takes before. place after <laughs> original Star Trek. Yes. But before TNG. Discovery timeline. We've looked this, this up is, before. <laughs> this is going to end bad for us. No, no, we can do this. Let's see. We're roughly in the 23rd century. Spock is born on Vulcan in 2230. Okay. But Michael is born on Earth 2226. So she is four years older than Spock. She's four years older than Spock? She's four years older than Spock. Spock's her little brother. Which means she went to the Science Academy before Spock gets denied from the Science Academy for being half-human. Okay, maybe this goes the other way around then. They denied him because they had problems with her. Four years is... I mean, that's not really enough time to have made that... Really? Mm. I don't know. I don't have a justification here. This is just the, you know... Well, I don't want to get too hung up on it, you know, but like... Fine. You know, maybe you want to mess with maybe Vulcan. Maybe there are multiple science academies on Vulcan. You maybe, know? Sure, there's... <laughs> okay. They've got more than one university, I and this is it. like, you know, Vulcan University number three. Not how space Not works? <laughs> yeah. Who, how dare they have more than one college? All right. Well, I don't agree with this change to Vulcan. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they've retconned it. Who knows? No. No, it couldn't be uh, that. They unac- never do that in this show. Unacceptable. All right. Back to the binary stars. Uh, things are in desperate earnest here. Uh, yeah, they they get... Uh, they, all the ships start fighting. Well, first, uh, we get to know Takuvma's name, finally. They said it in the first one. I don't think so. They did. Really? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I have a problem with this show, maybe, where this happened to me in episode three also as a foreshadow, but like they introduce a character, they're like, it's Lieutenant Blank. It's this is who, this is blah, this is who. And I'm like, I don't, I did not catch that. Can you say that again? Uh, we, that problem is going to persist, let's say, into the episode three because yes. there are definitely multiple characters, uh, whose names I never learned. Uh, and then I only got like by watching the credits at the end and seeing how their name is spelled. Yep. I have started to just leave open the wiki because I don't want to wait to try and figure it out. Yeah. Like I, I recognize a series of syllables as a person's name and I don't quite understand it until I read it at the end of the episode. I think it's just because they've picked so many various names. And also, like I said, this show is very earnest. So things are happening like lickety split and they just introduce people under their breath it is sometimes yeah, very like, hard to hear 
Uh, I have a specific complaint about this related to episode three, which we can get to there. <laughs> I bet you but... we have the same one. That's funny. All right. Almost uh, certain. As we we kind of like get a little bit of the Klingon view before we get into the battle of uh, they're trying to build unity within the Empire. Uh, mm-hmm. There's 24 houses still. And uh, I kind of I'm curious, what do you think of Takuma overall? I think he sounds kind of like a sad sack. Uh, well, it, they're kind of portraying the entire Klingon Empire as a sad sack at this point. No, I just and mean I he sounds home. like a sad sack. You just mean like his voice or or like his there's, portray? I, I'm confused now. There's There's definitely some sort of thing going on with the Klingons. Where they have, like, the normal Klingon speech that we're used to from previous shows. Where they're kind of shout-talking at each other when they're giving mm-hmm. a speech. Uh, or when they are in charge of something. And then Takuma goes on to the, like, I'm going to explain the story of my, my dad or something. And mm-hmm. when he's talking to the houses, he just kind of is, like, very, like quiet and sad puppy sounding I don't want to do the voice because I don't I mean, want it's it hard to, <laughs> it's yeah, hard I mean, to like Klingon is not English so it's hard to tell but, how much of it is the actor struggling to say weird Klingon words yeah but like he gets like he has his like shout talk I'm the preacher guy and then also when he's talking to the heads of houses he's kind of like mur, mur, mur. and you're like uh, I I didn't interpret that as a like him being down. It, this, the audio was weird at a few points in the show, really? uh, and that was definitely one of them. While he was talking to those people, it was like I don't know the like they lost the reverb or something of him talking in the big room or whatever. Maybe and now it just sounded like him talking, you know, like us on this podcast or something. Being like, you know, but all the words ended in weird kind of like me sounding. And and then it's like, Oh, well he sounds dumb because all of his sentences end with like me, Mm -hmm. but it's not his fault. That's how the language works. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Klingon is weird. A lot of the scenes with the Klingons in this were like interesting politically kind of, but then well, based on where this goes, I don't know that it amounted to much and maybe we shouldn't have cared. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, there's division, but the Federation backup arrives. They say, "Oopsie!" They say, "We we come in peace," and so the Klingons are like, "Ah, it's a trap! Shoot them!" <laughs> they open up. Yeah, man, the robot lady gets it fast. Mm-hmm. I I uh, like I like the new Fed design. The Federation design aesthetic is is definitely more uniform than maybe previously <laughs> yeah there's a lot of flat ships everywhere yeah uh and it's cool to see sort of you know the like the the few scenes we get of like the space battles and stuff are pretty cool oh yeah but our uh our lovable Shenzhou here kind of gets taken out of the fight pretty quick early on <laughs> uh they get wrecked hard uh burnham's in the brig and she's talking to a dude and he's coming in to tell her what he's like. Oh, you need to be on the bridge. You were right this whole time. We it are. Sounds like he's he's about to break her out of prison. 
and whoop, there he goes. Airlocked. <laughs> like it's Battlestar Galactica and someone didn't feel good today or whatever. Something uh, I've always thought Star Trek kind of was very light on was the what happens before the force field moment. Yeah. They showed it in this one multiple times. Yeah. Because after this scene, which we're not we're not done with this scene, there's more to talk about here. But after that scene, uh, later on the bridge, someone gets airlocked <laughs> the same way. Like, part of the bridge blows up, and then you just hear, like, a whoosh, and then you look back over there, that person and their station is gone, and there's the force field. Yeah. Wow. I like the look of the Shenzhou. They did mention it was an old ship, but woo, it gets blown up hard. Yeah, man. Wow. Okay. So before uh, we uh, see the end of the Shenzhou, though, there's another flashback. Right. Or or is it? I don't know. So so after the uh, the depressurization or whatever in the force field, Michael in her brig. Uh, she's stuck. She's, you get this kind of like dream sequence slash. Was, so we go back to when Sarek finds her, right? Initially. Right, so there's in this, a flashback. So yeah. it's like a dream to begin with that may be related to the end part of this. But uh, I was surprised to find out that her name was Michael before Sarek found her. Were you surprised yeah. by that? I had made an assumption. And I don't know why I made this assumption that maybe because her father's name was Michael Burnham, that Sarek had named her Michael Burnham. Uh, I just thought it was like a weird, like, space name or something. Um, episode three kind of touches on that, but, but, uh, he mind melds her. Unsure why at that moment he mind melds her, maybe to save her or something. Yeah, I I think this is the case where, like, the Vulcan person is doing the mind meld to save the injured person because that works. I don't, it's been done in, like, some Star Trek episodes. They did it to, um... Spock did it to McCoy to kind of preserve his consciousness inside McCoy. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's like, there's healing reasons to use these things or Absolutely. these mind melds. Sure. So, sure. I think that's probably what they're showing in the flashback. Yeah. And then. <laughs> oh, man. This is. Uh, what is this? <laughs> this is a moment. It sure is a moment of. I don't even know what to say. It's beyond the, like, new holograms. So he, we can mind meld across space now? So he, when they Sarek mind melded, he, he... Correct. Yes, sorry, I didn't mention it's Sarek. Sarek says that when we melded all those years ago, he left a part of himself in her. And because of that, he can just, like, talk to her across the galaxy or whatever for some reason so so they imply here directly imply like he says that that basically vulcans can speak through subspace to each other it just takes a lot of energy but and not even just through subspace like there there's still the implication that subspace works like radio yeah there's no implication here it's like you have psychic communication with anyone you want to anyone in the universe if you're willing to spend enough energy i guess maybe i thought it was subspace because it wasn't like the he wasn't walking around in front of her they were in some sort of weird black hole or something talking it's like a weird mental land or something uh and 
yeah, wow, it's uh, that's never been hinted at before. Not it one time. Kind of goes along with a lot of the stuff that we then get to later in episode three. <laughs> I, I, there was a moment where it was like, oh, okay, so like she's starting to get hypoxia, and maybe the mind meld left a little bit of Sarek in there. Sure. And so she's like talking to herself, but she's using Sarek as herself. That would have been acceptable to me. But that nope. is uh, Vulcans cannot talk across space. I hope this is the last moment we see this. This is a genuine communication between two peoples using only one of those people's minds. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. Yuck. Uh but all it really amounts to is a nice pep talk uh, of him <laughs> him telling her, hey, you're better than this. Don't die here on this horrible rock. Go uh, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and escape jail and save the day or whatever. Yep. So we... Shenzhou loses power, main power at least, uh, and they get yanked by a tractor beam from the cool big ship. I don't even right, know the, the name of it. The Admiral or whoever kind of, Yeah, kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> In the end, it doesn't, that's for sure. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, the, the, the Admiral cloaked- and uh, and Philippa Giorgio have a talk. Uh, and she's like, yeah, thanks. This is good. And the Admiral's like, all right, well, we're going to open up a channel to the Klingons. Let's cease fire. This will be great. And Zakuma's like, watch this, guys. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> I did not understand that the ship was cloaked. When did the yeah. ship get cloaked? He says at some point that, like, oh, you know, don't doubt that I can make my ships invisible or whatever. Um, but they never really explained that. Like, people are like, oh, hey, that big ship just disappeared. Weird. But you think they would know? Given that it was like you know the main one or whatever. Yeah, I thought it was the main ship, and then it's cloaked somehow. I missed that. Some he, I missed something. He mentions here. that he mentions that they can go invisible, but then they sure. don't do it. But, but the then, Federation never is like whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, no one acknowledges the fact that it was invisible as that plowed into them. So I don't. Uh, very strange. Interesting anyway, use of a spaceship. That, very often seen in other shows. Hardly ever seen in Star Trek. Right, yeah, but the battering ram spaceship thing is very uncommon. Uh, uh, and it doesn't go good for the Admiral, as you can imagine. Nope. So, Giorgio's back in charge of the fleet, kind of Picard style, I guess, maybe? Maybe, uh, yeah. With a broken ship. <laughs> yep. I I uh, caught here that also the Klingons are not calling stuff Kronos like they used to. They call it Konos with a Q. Uh, that's like a Klingon spelling thing. So, yeah, I didn't know that before. That oh, the, it's, it has technically always been spelled that way in yeah. Klingon. So, Kronos is like a, uh, ing- anglification, anglification yeah, of, anglification of, of, yeah. It's like how you can spell words in Arabic, like, uh, the Quran multiple different ways. Yeah. It's a similar thing. Cause it's like the sound, right? And how do you pronounce the, how do you spell the sound in English is weird. So, yeah, that's cool. I, I'm down with that. I just didn't notice. Yeah. I didn't know it before. I'm sure it existed. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad. It, it was they... something I like tangentially knew in the back of my mind, but it never mattered because I didn't watch with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because like original or at least TNG Star Trek, which I watched the most, if you needed subtitles, they put them there. 
Uh, oh, and yeah. you needed subtitles in this because they spoke a lot of Klingon. Sure did. Whereas in, I feel like in a lot of the other shows, you don't get as much of them speaking Klingon all the time, unless it's like a Klingon in Klingon space episode or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then everyone just speaks English, which negates the need for worrying about the subtitles and spelling. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't do that. I mean, the Klingons would have no reason to be speaking English, right? Except when he intentionally does speak English while, during their transmissions or whatever. Yeah. I just wonder, like, when they're all talking to each other, why they don't speak English like they used to. Yeah. And that's like a thing where you could say, oh, they're speaking Klingon to each other, but it's more convenient for us, the audience, to hear them in English. Well, it would certainly speed things up. <laughs> Klingon yeah. speech is kind of slow. It definitely can be. Uh, Imagine those people that do, like, Shakespeare and Klingon. Crazy. I don't, I don't want to mess. Shakespeare's already long. It's going to take a long time to get through Klingon, Romeo and Juliet, or whatever. Burn him out. Thinks a supercomputer. Okay, let's talk about this. All right. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> there are ethical protocols. Okay, there have to be. Why? What? Uh, huh? Well, the whole thing, uh, the idea of like an ethical protocol where you, the prisoner, can force the computer to release you by outlogicking it is the dumbest thing I can ever think of. I unbelievable that anyone would ever implement that. I I don't understand how that happens. I maybe think like there were other ways to do this. Yeah. Although getting her to depressurize a tiny part of the field and shoot her across a gap in the ship uh, seems That's odd like, too because I didn't know force fields could like be done that way. They they have talked about. I feel like maybe they did that in DS Nine before. You can definitely like shut down time. sections of them bef- for sure, but this is like right. open me an exact size door for my heights. Yeah, eh, I, I'm more willing to believe that than the like I can out logic a supercomputer here. Uh, th- the funny thing is that in the way computers work, if her, like, logic or whatever was sound, the computer should have known at the beginning. You don't have to, like, teach the computer how something works. It yeah. already knows because it can do 80 billion decisions in the time it takes you to, like, you know, cough. Well, it's, so, what's awesome about Star Trek is the supercomputer idea and that it can run the holodeck and all that. And uh, in my mind, I've always kind of had the thought. Okay, well, they, these computers have to almost be AIs because if they can run holodeck programs, if they can, you know, run the ships, they- and you can talk to them, right? You can it, in natural language, you can say "computer cross-reference this with this," and it knows what you mean, which is like not something you can do with normal computers, right? You can't tell your your Siri or your Google Assistant or whatever, "Hey, do this." with this thing without being specific and they are not specific on the show in star in all star trek all the time with the computer they're kind of just like do the thing that i want and the computer's like got you and then it does it so maybe if it's an ai you can rewrite a pathway or two uh okay i mean certainly star trek is not above magical technology which (laughs) is what this has kind of become here yeah uh 
And there's certainly more magical technology to come. Yeah, wow. I don't know. That's not... It was not my... I think that she could have got out of prison a different way. Also, the yeah. ship's half blown up. Maybe she could have just been blown out of prison. They could have just, like, had the back wall be weak and she kick it open. <laughs> I, yeah. Either way, she's back on the bridge and they make a plan. And the plan is... The- the captain's going to kill herself and blow the Klingons up and everything is going to be good. Okay. <laughs> Not a great plan if you're the last Didn't remaining see? captain in the fleet. I wrote this down at, like uh, underneath my note that says ethical protocol in giant letters with a bunch of question marks all around it. I'm going to use that as a, just like a phrase from now on. My ethical protocol won't allow this. Below that is the uh, is the letter that's like, Suicide mission, huh? <laughs> uh, and then things develop uh, very quickly as they see the Klingons beaming their dead back, right? Because the Klingons have declared, we won. All these other ships are disabled. You know, we're the best. Yeah. We're not going to go kill people who won't fight back because that's not Klingon honorable or whatever. Which means uh, they could just wait this out on the ship and try and come up with a better plan. Or just wait this out and then the Klingons will leave. And they can, like, repair their ship and go home. Yeah. But no, um, we have to have revenge or get back. Uh, they, they come up with this cockamamie scheme from Michael that the idea is if they capture Takuma, it will make him weak. And then the other Klingons won't want to follow him anymore. And well, but, it'll be okay. They do, yeah, they don't want to kill him because... They, they uh, don't want to make him a martyr, yeah, right? Burnham says that it'll unite the cl- people behind him. Right. They go on an away mission? Yeah, they they beam a bomb into the body of a Klingon <laughs> that they're saving, and then they blow it up. So they beam aboard they use... a body, right? They beam aboard a body, they put a no, bomb they don't, in the body, they, then they beam... They don't beam the, bo- they don't beam the body aboard, they oh. beam the bomb into the body. That's an amazing amount of targeting to have done into a tractor beam. I don't know. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. For a disabled ship, right. I'm just saying. Like They got power, I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Uh so the bomb goes off and then they use the chaos to somehow transport over to the Klingon vessel, which is despite having had a giant bomb go off, seems like it's not that bad off. Uh and they know exactly where Takuma is, and then they go fight him. Also, hold on. So they also only send two people. Right. Yes. Why? Our mission is Why? to capture you could have sent like six. You just like beam an entire team of people over there, and the two Klingons that show up ha- will then have no chance. I I believe the we sent two people much more than the we beamed you directly to Takuma somehow. Yeah, like, fair. What? I mean, I guess they just went for the bridge and were like, "Well, hope he's here." How do you know where the bridge is on a gigantic I don't know. ancient How alien? Do you know where anything is. Okay, here, here, we'll rewrite it for you. Uh, they sent six two-man teams all over the ship. Oh, and we only saw we only the saw and the Michael. captain. Oh, and Michael. okay. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, who went together for some reason? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, because she wanted to, and then Michael said, "No, send me." And the captain was like, "Oh, that's cute." No, <laughs> they went together. Well, um, she was right not to have trusted her. Yeah, it turned out that was a good idea. Uh, the captain tries to hand-to-hand fight Takuma, and that doesn't go good. Yeah, not a good plan. Uh, 
Uh, she gets Although stabbed. She, she held her own quick. for a minute. Yeah, she she parried a couple blows before he got her uh, right in the gut, in the chest. Yeah, it didn't go real bad. Uh, <laughs> and Michael kind of fights off the other Klingon whose name I'm forgetting. Is it like Voke? Voke, thank you. The albino guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she fights him off for like a minute or two and uh, manages to grab a gun and then shoots to Kuvma after he stabbed. After he stabs her, yeah. On kill. Yeah. Not in the like good guy spot shot like he's going to have a bad time now. Uh, he just falls over. I think he's pretty much dead at that point. Yep. Uh, uh, and then uh, what's his name? The... Saru. Oh, Saru. By the way, Saru is a Kelpian. I had to look okay, that up. See it. I never knew that. Yeah. I just knew that uh, he's the first or the acting first officer there. Uh, and he's like, oh, the captain's dead. Uh, all right. I'm pulling you out later. Yeah. Total jerk move, man. You left your captain's body over there. Bro, you could have beamed the body out. Well, not only did they t- kill Takuma. But, like, Burnham has has a good idea about what Klingons are like. And not only did you till, turn Takuma into the martyr now, they have a human dead body that they can parade around as, like, the villain. Not a good plan to leave that behind, maybe. Seems like a mistake. Also, what a if, they could move. Ju- if they could just beam her back, why didn't they just beam him over? <laughs> yeah throw put yeah. like a little device on his back or whatever and then just beam him into a force field where is he gonna go i don't know where are you gonna beam him to half the ship is blown up yeah fair beam him to that cell they had michael in. <laughs> yeah it's not like he can outthink the computer right <laughs> yeah he doesn't oh, know he man. can outthink the computer yep oh boy so that's the end of uh captain giorgio there and that's pretty much the end of the episode here we well, see she goes to prison well, uh, yeah, we see uh, the court martial where Michael says, "Like, yeah, I did it. Send me to jail." Yeah, uh, and then they're like, "Okay, life sentence." Your life sentence. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, no, just, man, it has to be. They, they, I, the Federation wouldn't mess around with something like that, Andrew. Come on, it's, it's not like you're watching a show where the main character can't be in prison the whole time. Otherwise, we won't have anything to watch. You're not. We're watching a prison show now. You didn't know this is oh. Oz. Oh yeah, it's true. Um. You know, Blue I is, is the new black. I, I'm trying to make an orange is the new black joke, but I don't watch that show and I don't know how to. I really mean, that kind of fits considering what we end up with black alerts and all that. Oh, my God. All right. So episode three. <laughs> episode three. I have. Uh, I don't I, have as many notes as I did on this other episode, but I have written in oh, all man, caps. No. I have so many on episode three. Oh, I have a bunch of questions, but they're not like actual episode notes oh okay but i have written in all caps in giant letters black alert <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i thought it was kind of an interesting way to bring back section 31 yeah so they heavily imply all that right there's definitely no like direct uh impl- like you don't hear the word section 31 or No, whatever. they just say black badges. Huh, that's weird. Yeah, and they never kind of mention that again. And I didn't remember that at the time while I was watching this. Section 31? Right. I didn't remember they were a thing until uh I think it was like late last night or something. I was <laughs> like, isn't there a thing after I watched it and I was like, "Huh," and I googled and like, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah. 
So okay, yeah. So they're working for Black Ops here. Yeah. Well, first we get the six month time jump. Right. Uh, things are bad with the Klingons. They're at full full war. Michael Burnham is famous. Transferred. Yeah, yeah infamous. In infamous and uh, not popular. <laughs> Even among the prisoners, they're like, oh, it's this this chick who started the war. Let's be criminals and gang up on her or whatever. I laughed out loud and continued laughing as that pilot got sucked away into space. Who could have predicted that? Yeah. And wondered often later what happened to her because the prisoners got rescued from the shuttle. Yeah, right? But I never saw an in- implication that she was rescued. Uh, and then we get our first shot of the NCC-1031 USS Discovery. Yeah. Let's talk about that. What a ship-looking thing. Yeah. The saucer is like a donut <laughs> with like a donut hole in the middle. It's some kind of thing. It's real, real interesting looking. And those nacelles are very long. Mm-hmm. It's really like they took a ship and someone grabbed the saucer section and then the, the back section and pulled the back section out kind of and squished it up. Yeah. It's kind of like a triangle. It's like yeah. a triangle and a circle stuck together. Yeah. That's a very it's interesting a, look. Yeah. It's an interesting look. And it's kind of... I've seen pictures... A little bit of it, and it's more brown. I wonder if something changes on this ship, because this is not that... It looked mostly gray. It didn't look brown to me. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. The uh, hull looks like it has that, like, characteristic, like, weird metal designs all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very... Other, like... It, at the point that we've seen it now, it's, like, unremarkable, right? It's a little bit unremarkable. But uh, you, I, it looks a little weird, and you don't really catch the reason for it until you we go forward here in this episode. Yeah, other, I mean, it's sparkly and new, and it looks cool, and there's a lot of interesting stuff you can tell they've built set-wise that you're, like, getting prepared for. But overall, right. it's kind of like, huh, okay. That's more plain than I actually imagined other than the saucer. Yeah. Um, the, the and those shuttles. And the, Let's talk. Yeah. What? Man, those shuttles. Yeah. I don't know. Where'd those shuttles come from? Don't know, man. We had to design cool new shuttles, so uh, we put a giant thruster on the back. I don't know. What? Okay, we're previous to Star Enterprise, Wars. where they have literal know, boxes. Wait, oh, 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 you mean like, yeah, Star Trek Enterprise. Star, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, uh, no, the TV. original... Yeah, one seven zero one Enterprise, not the show Enterprise. So we have like cool red, red painted war shuttles. Yep. Now, but then we go back. It's got a lot of maybe, me noticing. Maybe things. the difference. Maybe the difference is that these ones can't do warp, or they're no, they can do warp. Well, maybe they can't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or they're Section Thirty One shuttles. <laughs> Oh my god. No, they're not because the they're ship not. shuttle is the same as the prison transfer shuttle. Unless yeah. the prison transfer shuttle was one of the Discovery's shuttles. It was implied later 
why that might be true. I don't know. Uh, I guess that could be, yeah. Uh, are we allowed to curse on here? Because <laughs> I wrote down I something. Know. I'll bleep it out. Sure. I'll, I'll bleep it out. I wrote down something here. Gin Saru. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so they get off the ships. Saru's back. He's like, Michael Burnham. And everybody else is like, Michael Burnham. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets a mini tour of the ship where we're very clear that it's a science vessel. We meet the security officer lady who doesn't look very sciencey at all. No, she looks also very well. She doesn't have a black ops insignia, but uh, look, she, she's ready for war. Yeah, she's ready to fight. <laughs> uh, and then we meet Captain. What's his first name? Who knows? Because this is my complaint about <laughs> characters whose names no one can understand. Okay. They hear, you hear his name once under someone's breath. Captain Lorca? I don't know. Is that what it is? I couldn't tell you. Oh. It's definitely Captain Lorca. Okay. I, I didn't know. And so then the rest of the time it was like Captain... <laughs> yeah. Gabriel. That's the guy. Gabriel Lorca. Okay. Sure. I believe you. I just don't know, because I couldn't understand it. There's a beautiful shot where he's staring out at the stars, and he's talking about his battle injury, and I'm like, yeah. are his eyes going to be stars this whole time? That's awesome. No. <laughs> no. no. He just is sensitive to light. <laughs> it was very cool, uh, that shot, yeah. the one you're talking about, where he's looking out and you see the stars that reflected cool. in his eyes. That was really pretty. At the, and you'll... As many things as we said, oh, those are weird things about episode two. That episode was very pretty as well. Uh, oh, yeah. This show looks... A lot of really great shots. Looks nice. Looks nice all the time. Uh, Lorca implies or Burnham infers, I guess, that maybe Lorca rerouted her shuttle? Uh, Lorca directly implies it and okay. says that, like, he's like, you know, oh... You know, do you think it's an accident you ended up here? I can, I'll help my, I will win this war whatever way I think I can or whatever. And you're right. going to help me whether you want right. to or not. Right. Uh, and so she's like, K, I guess. Uh, and then, she, you know, her intent is to go back to prison after all of this because she doesn't want to be a part of his whatever, whatever it is that he's a part of because she doesn't know at this point. Right, but she's uh, like not into. She's she's still in the I need to be in prison phase from the last episode, where I was like, I'm gonna pay my debt the way that Starfleet says I have to pay my debt, and I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, well, we so can't send you back yet because your shuttle's all messed up. Yeah. Okay. Believable. Uh, and then he puts all the prisoners to work. Right. Right. And he's um, like, oh, you have special skills though, so I'm gonna put you to work in. Did he call it engineering? Yes, he did. What? I mean, I don't know why a xenobiologist would go to engineering, but apparently she's also really smart with other stuff. He mentions quantum physics, right? Right. And then they're like, okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. And we get her little... She, she gets a goes, roommate. She gets a roommate who uh, it's implied has autism, I think? I believe so although like why did she get her own room i don't maybe just i don't know yeah it's weird they don't explain they don't explain that and uh, someone finally says a female michael 
Yes. <laughs> and she's like, that couldn't be. The only female Michael I know is Michael Burnham, the traitor. You're not her, right? Deadpan silence. Oops. Uh, oops. And then we get our first black alert. And then they say black alert. Yeah. And Andrew, I paused the episode when they said that, and I stood up and I was like, what? <laughs> you stood up. <laughs> I well, rewound maybe- the episode 10 seconds and I listened again and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> How is there a black alert, first of all? That's, I'm intrigued. Not a thing. I, I mean, it's not a thing. Um, well, it is a thing now. Apparently. It might be a thing on a Section 31 ship, maybe. I don't. I, I guess. Don't. Look, maybe you shouldn't stand up during a black alert, though. Clearly, uh, you shouldn't be awake during them at all because stuff physics kind of gets weird for a few minutes. Yeah. Or, well, uh, like the table gets kind of gooey. Yeah. Some of the table like lifts up. And yeah, it turns becomes- like kind of goopy or whatever and then Ugh. stops. I don't yeah. want to think about uh, what's happening to your insides. No, that seems bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of all of that, it seems. Uh, and then we kind of brush it off and we don't talk about it again. Yep. Uh, yep. And Michael Michael reports to engineering. Yeah, Saru uh, seems the- to kind of still like her as he's taking her around the ship. Even though he doesn't like her, he seems to respect her, maybe. She tries to apologize to him. Yeah, that didn't go so good. <laughs> didn't go so good. Uh, we meet. Now I still have a question mark next to this guy's name. Lieutenant yeah. Stamens? Couldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> See, yeah. Just, Another character whose name I also could never hear. Yeah, that was a weird one. That one was much harder. I'm trying to find his name. I think they only said it the once, and then I never S- heard it again. Paul Stamets. Okay. See, I I had no chance of ever finding that out. Yeah, that Paul Stamets. I I didn't even get that one. Uh, he's brushing dust off himself. He doesn't treat her so hot. Uh, no. Uh, engineering has some of- cool holographic screens we've never seen before in Star Trek. Yeah, pretty legit. Uh, they had those at the Vulcan Science Academy too. So that's true. I think they're just they're just kind of like deciding they have these now. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> It's how it felt to me. Yeah, we're, we're. I was wondering how far into dipping into retconning technology to make it better we would get, and it appears full steam ahead on that. Yes, is, yes. is going to be uh, the thing. Let us retcon. Seems yeah. to be how it goes. Oh well. Yeah, I will really like when things can live within a space and improve them, but not like overshoot. So we'll see. Yeah. It, it, Sci-fi in particular is tough because if you don't update the look, it looks old, and then it stops. People stop seeing it as like it doesn't register as sci-fi. Well, some of it makes sense. Where like, okay, well, we have cell phones, so we got to do something more advanced than cell phones, right? And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, no one in the future would actually carry around like a bunch of weird data pads like books when they could have one data pad that's like an ultra cell phone, right? Right. Yeah, and so they've they've done away with people carrying around data pads because it doesn't make any sense. But you know, it's a, uh, I get oh, well. it. Anyway, yeah. that part didn't bother me that much. Uh, it's um, fine. It's just a it, uh, the holographic screen actually didn't bother me at all. I was just like, oh, okay. Is it going to be one of those things where we get the slow burn of like I've never seen that little thing before? It makes sense, but like you know, yeah. Uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of that in this show. 
takes her no time to use her screen to find people's math is bad. And then we see uh, a breath scanner. Yes, that's new. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and then Michael gets the idea to break into that room. I love this. I won't make any trouble for you, Saru, except for five minutes later when I break into the most secure facility on the ship. By stealing my roommate's drool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Real, I guess they had to do a breath scanner. Breath, real secure breath scanner. Yeah, you know, they had to do the breath scanner because otherwise she would have had to chop her roommate's hand off. Oh boy! I feel like her roommate would be less accommodating to her if she found out that she had chopped her hand off. Right, right. Uh, so she finds some kind of forest with a bunch of sparkly stuff. It, they look like weird space mushrooms. Yeah, sure. Okay. Which is what they kind of imply that they are later. Sounds good to me. Uh, and then she's kind of like, huh? Okay. Yeah. And she closes the door again. Uh and then there are no repercussions for her breaking in until, like, way later. Not even really repercussions. It's just like, hey, we know you did that. I, yeah. How did... First of all, how did they know she did that? And secondly... Eh, logs. I don't know. You could catch people doing stuff. But I guess. the question... I think no one cared? They're just like, oh, dang. The yeah. prisoner got in and saw our stuff. Oh, well. Yeah. Like, huh? So we have an inkling earlier that there's another version of this experiment or whatever they're doing on this ship happening somewhere else. We right, find out the, it's on the USS Glenn. The chief engineer is talking with someone who seems to be some kind of scientist rival guy. Uh, and they're talking about how ours has 900 mega megas or whatever. The, ours are only at 100 blah something. Yeah, science units. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, and he's like, that seems dangerous. I'm worried for you. And the guy's like, nah, it's fine, bro. We're uh, going to do the biggest test ever tomorrow. Our ship's going to go across something. Where we'll be safe. And yeah. I'll talk to you after. And where our names will be on the prize together. Nope. Nope. Uh, we then get a message that uh, last night, <laughs> the Glen exploded. <laughs> and yeah, everyone's well, dead. They say they had an accident. Uh, and the whole crew's dead. It's like, whoa, okay, not good. Yeah. Lorca Hard burns, Lorca burns stamens, stamets, stamets, really bad. He's like, you're not so smart. Burnham's smarter than you. Take Burnham and figure out what the problem is. Yeah. He's, uh, that guy stamets is pretty angry. Uh, justifiably? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just mad all the time, though. I mean, well, sure. He, He's pretty pissed at the whole situation. And you kind of get his backstory here. He talks about how he and that other guy were working on this technology kind of in secret for a right, while right. and for peaceful purposes. Right. And then Starfleet comes in and is like, actually, this would make a good war thing. And we're so going to pick it up. He's, his point is that biology and physics are same, the same at the quantum level. Uh-huh. Okay. Um. Yeah, I have a uh, a giant. I just have a bunch of giant question marks uh, in this part of the episode, and then I wrote, "Man, I love Star Trek pseudoscience." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know. The, the The show brings up then this analogy of like, oh, you know, the the veins and blood of the cosmos and. All of this, like, oh, biology is the same as physics, which... Yeah. Okay, yes. Hand wavy again. 
bodies are definitely governed by physics and there's you know some physics under there biological processes or physical sure. ones too sure. sure and then he's then he just goes what if like cells were space and you're just <laughs> like uh i think you're going a little farther than maybe science would would dictate here spores are space what if you could like travel through the blood vessels of space uh that's not a thing my man yeah uh it reminds me very much getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but it's yeah it reminds me very much of the um the webway idea from warhammer 40k uh yes actually like the eldar and yeah. the webway and actually i thought at uh, at this point and then as they go on to this USS Glenn mission as they're going to like retrieve the technology and whatever so that you know it doesn't go into bad hands mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking that this was species 8472 from Voyager oh people who also used organic transportation oh. and like lived in like weird kind of alternate dimension stuff uh huh um, but nope, nope, that's not what, what is going on here. Wow. Like, that was just the first thing that had popped into my mind after all of that. I was like, oh, right. wow, this is like a really weird, what cool a call way. Yeah. I uh, was so like, oh, like these evil, you know, like uh, evil. I don't know. They're, they're portrayed as like evil in Voyager, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know what their deal was. I don't know what, it was like, very oh, non-direct. They, yeah, and then I was like, oh, maybe this is, like, our the first encounter that Starfleet has with them, but it's all secret or whatever, so that's why you don't find out about it, like, Janeway doesn't know or anything. Um, but nope, nope, that's not what's happening. Man, uh, if they had figured that out, because, like, didn't the 8472, like, beat the Borg? Yeah, they were, like, they had handled the Borg problem so thoroughly that the Borg left them alone. Yeah. Because the Borg tried to assimilate them. And then they went to war and, like, almost destroyed all the Borg. And then the Borg were like, never mind, we're going to leave these people alone. That would have been legit. I mean, this yeah. is still cool-ish, but, like, that would have been well, legit. Well, uh, it is cool, uh, but we we aren't really sure at this point what's going on. And you, There's kind of, we get a little bit of, like, a mini alien movie here in the, in oh, the middle God. of this episode. I don't, I don't, I don't, ugh. It was kind of scary. Uh, almost like, actually, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Event Horizon. Have you seen, you've seen oh, that movie, yes. right? It was very, I thought we were going to have that, right? Where there's like a black hole on the ship for a moment. Because those yeah. bodies were not human looking. That, oh. I wanted Sam Neill to come in and start talking about Latu Domine Inferne oh or whatever was, with like black eyes and stuff. Stuff was jacked up. There was like puddles of people everywhere. And like Things bones sticking bones out at very unnatural oh. angles, and the there's a monster be, having be, been rearranged. Yeah, and so then like you get the monster, the alien, uh, which looks like a kind of like a weird evil space dog with th- like a face or something. I think this is the only time we see Klingons this episode, uh, and yes. they're all dead all over the place, uh, except for the one guy that was hiding in the shadows. <laughs> Uh, our our friend uh, to Michael, whose name I have forgotten. Tilly? Sylvia Tilly? Tilly, Tilly yes. Sylvia. I don't remember. One of those uh, says, hey, you there in the shadows, come out. We see you. 
uh, a Klingon comes out and says, shh. And then someone goes, did he just shush you? And then the alien kills him. <laughs> yeah. And, I actually uh, laughed pretty hard at that part. I laughed I don't pretty know that it was hard at that. to be comedic. And also I laughed at like, oh, I totally spotted the red shirt on this mission. <laughs> so yeah, right. <laughs> he, get, he gets it immediately after. Um, you got a name at least. He did. He's like, yeah. Gradkowski or whatever. Hey, come with us. You, yeah. You guy with a gun who is going to very clearly die. Yeah. Hey, we get also here a shot of the bridge as they're talking to Lorca, and we get another uh, android robot lady. This one doesn't have yeah. a TV head, though. Yeah. Less cool, but still all right. So, so legit. And uh, Saru puts her in charge at one point, even. He was like, hey, you robot lady are in charge. I have to go talk with Michael. Right. Uh, that's yeah. later in the episode, maybe. So they get like get off the ship with the stuff they need with her crawling through a vent, a Jeffrey's tube. Jeffrey's, man. Jeffrey's tube. tubes are things, right? Yeah, no, that's, you're right. It is okay. a Jeffrey's tube. Uh, uh, she <laughs> she says as she's concocting her cockamamie scheme. Well, I hope all these starships are laid out the same. It's like <laughs> that's a bad May- guess. <laughs> Maybe she memorized the discoveries Jeffrey's tubes already? When? I don't. Okay, yeah. so back on the discovery. Right, back on the discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's the correct thing to do here. Why does Lorca have the discretion to fight a war? And why does he have a tribble on his desk? Okay. And why does he have fortune cookies? I also wanted to know, know why he had a tribble. All these things I want to know the answers to. I didn't understand. I thought like my dog was making noise for a little while because I didn't see the tribble. Oh, I saw the tribble and I was like, is that a tribble? And then it purrs. And I'm like, that's definitely a tribble. And then I was like, well, why does he have that? We find out and later. How aren't there? Oh, we do? Uh, well, I, I make a guess later, right? Oh, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so. Lorca says, you're sticking around. I'm putting you back in Starfleet. I need your help. And she's like, nah, you're making a bioweapon. I don't want any part of that. And then and then Lorca does the evil mustache twirling villain thing of, no, actually, we can do this to make everyone's life better. And right. Mycelium spores will let us jump to the beta quadrant in 1.3 seconds. And he gives her the, he puts her in the magic shroom chamber where she gets high <laughs> f dude <laughs> shroom chamber is the best they should have called the episode the shroom chamber <laughs> it's it's like um i also i wrote down here um the mushroom effect <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like like mass effect that's wonderful um the uh so he puts he, he's like i'll show you the technology right and he puts a locks her in the shroom chamber and fills it with a bunch of stardust particles that are spores or whatever uh-huh. and this somehow lets her trip out and see like she's in other places does she actually go to those places i don't think so i can't imagine that that's how that works they can't send her separately from the ship i think they implied that though i think what they're implying is that you can see if you get all high on the shrooms in the shroom chamber you can see where the webway goes I see. Because all the spores are interconnected. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Context is for kings, JJ. Right. He then says that, and I was like, what? 
<laughs> what does that have to do with anything? You're he, he mentions that Michael, you're a person who did the right thing, even though it was against the rules. And I need people like that because context is king. Yeah, and I don't think that follows. That was the name of this episode, by the way. Context is king, and I didn't get it. I mean, he's implying that, like, I guess she was right that Starfleet should have shot first, and I, I think that's so the that, one thing I want to talk about when we finish the episode for a minute. I, I actually bought that part more than the like context part. I was like, what does the context have to do with? We'll, any t- of we'll this? talk about it in a minute. Let's finish the episode, and then we'll talk about okay. that because that's my main thing after watching these two episodes. Is like what yeah. is Starfleet in this version of Starfleet? So um, I think uh, Saru so has then, something come out of his head. Yeah, that was after weird. she accepts because he tells her, "Oh, we're gonna make this new transportation drive that we never see again in any of Star Trek." So it obviously, it's a good. rousing success. Yeah, uh, but the idea is very cool, right? And Gorka's like, "We can use this to win the war." And then when the war is done, we can use this to make space travel great for everyone and everyone right. will be really great yep. and it'll be good. Definitely. I'm not evil. Don't worry. Trust me. Yeah. Something. Uh, comes and out Michael of goes, yeah, sure. This seems legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and signs on. So she, yeah, she then, stays on the ship. The ship leaves. The yeah, shuttle yeah. leaves with all the prisoners and Saru's head grows something out of it. Kind of like his it implied that it's like his danger reflex or Maybe. whatever. Yeah. The uh, king of bad ideas strikes. And, yeah. And, uh, and they kept the see, monster. We see Gorka and... Lorca. The, Lorca, sorry. And the security lady whose name I forgot. I anyway. Know. I don't know. Uh, he implies that they're going to they're gonna hang out later. And Gorka, Lorca goes over <laughs> and, like, tries to pet. Uh, so, okay. So, yes, they... Now, my question here is, did they keep the monster, or did both places have a monster? No, no, no. She, cause he says, is our guest settled in, and the implication was that he was talking about Burnham. You're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then they, uh, he says, thanks for transporting it for me. She's like, anytime, bro. Ah, okay. And then they're both I sensitive to light. I misunderstood that. Got Lorca it. and the monster are sensitive to light inside of Lorca's. This is where I think he he gets a triple because he has his like little chamber of like his like menagerie of horror. Yeah, or menagerie. That's a good word. It's like tons and tons of alien bodies and stuff, and like weird aliens. It looks like a mad scientist lab. It does there, it? Do- totally does. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you sort of realize that like. Hey, Lorca hasn't really been on the level with any of us here. Clear. Uh, which, yeah, that's clear. No duh, based on how he has acted and talked the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Well, he went from like, <clears throat> oh, maybe this guy's a cool hard captain, like wartime dude that was injured. So he got put in front of, he got put into a science ship where we'll see some cool tension between scientists and generals, right? Like, and- that's and that's what, like a very Star Trek thing to talk about, right? Like, oh, like science being right. used for war right. and how right. science conflicts with war and all that stuff. That's like a very normal Star Trek topic. Which is so exactly why I wanted to talk about what is Starfleet in this version. All because, on board, right? Yeah, because I would totally see that as what is Starfleet. Oh, we have to make this story about about war conflicting with science and what we're going to do for it. And then towards the end of this, we get the impression that actually... uh they call it a science ship, 
but it's really a weapons platform and Starfleet is 100% in on making sure that like this guy and probably other versions of this guy are like let off the chain. It definitely feels like it, if Starfleet isn't 100% in on it, this dude is 100% in on it and he is 100% in on the I will win at any cost. I don't care what the rules say. Right. I'm the evil captain now. You're on board the, you know, the murder ship here or whatever. <laughs> Well, Burnham says something interesting earlier in the episode, too. She says, I'm, you know, I'm a Starfleet first officer. I'm going to live by Starfleet's rules, and I'm going to go to prison based on Starfleet's rules. I I don't know that I buy her explanation, and maybe that's a little bit of a penitent explanation, because she was willing to throw out Starfleet rules when she was, uh, we're going to shoot these Klingons, because that's what we have to do. Yeah, uh, she so, even says, like, he goes, oh, is this, like, some kind of, you know, self-inflicted, like, oh, I have to pay for my crimes or whatever? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, that's not it. Well, that's not only it. Right. So, it's definitely some of that. But, yeah, then her just being like, I have to live an upstanding life in prison is not maybe the most believable. <laughs> so, the Starfleet, until Deep Space Nine, when we kind of get the idea that there's stuff under the scenes with section 31 and we go to war really for the first time um that is very clearly defined war uh right you know in the past this version of star trek seems uh, to not maybe have as clearly defined start what starfleet is yet although captain georgio and the rest of them seem like they know what Starfleet is. So, so some so, people seem to have a very strong opinion of Starfleet being the rigid exploration and scientific structure that it is later with Picard and, uh, you know, early versions of Voyager and uh, DS9. Mm-hmm. Whereas then Burnham and a couple other people, uh, you know, as soon as we hit the flak with the Klingons seem to be a willing, more willing than the other captains to have said, eh, whatever, Starfleet, Starfleet, we have spaceships, it's time to go to war. Uh, I think the thing that... So there's definitely a implication that this is like the... This is the side you didn't see of Star Trek, right? This is the, the cool underbelly of, like, evil stuff going on in space. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, I don't know that I get that much. Uh, Well, it certainly feels like there's like the, we're waiting for a shoe to drop on, on like Lorca or the ship being more than just a science ship. Something, they definitely do a good job showing you something's not quite right, but I don't know if they're leaning into like, hey, this isn't Starfleet not quite right, or just like, oh, the show's going to have plot twists kind of thing. Yeah. It, I mean, I, it's only episode three. It's hard to know. Um, we literally have only seen the discovery for half of one episode. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. The, the tone the show is striking here is very like contradictory, right? There's like two, there's like the Starfleet as the aspirational like symbol of hope for humanity and then there's like also starfleet loves guns and killing yeah okay you're like well that's kind of weird like why you know yeah so it's 
I don't know. It's conflicted, I I feel. Right. Okay. I'm glad that I don't, I'm not quite alone in feeling like I don't have a clear direction on what, what version the, of Starfleet we're seeing, you know? I, I hope that they give us some more context as to whether Lorca is really working within the system and everyone is like, yeah, this guy knows what's up and this is what we want. Mm-hmm. Or if he has kind of gone rogue and is yeah. out there just like doing murder experiments and capturing right. aliens and like doing it's, weapons research that's hella illegal. It seems like he implies that he's been, you know, let loose, let off the chain by Starfleet. But then, you know, Saru gives us some idea that maybe everything is fine here. And okay. this is just, this is just normal, like first officering stuff. I'm just, you know, give it the captain doesn't fear enough things, so I'm I'm scared of stuff so I can tell him when things are actually bad and he should be afraid. Right. Well, he definitely yeah. mentions like Lorca's not afraid of the things normal people are afraid of. Yeah. Um kind which of implies how, like, maybe he's he like a sociopath or something? Yeah, he's either a sociopath or like maybe that means like he's not a, a Starfleet captain in the way that like most Starfleet captains are the theologian, scholar type, right. type, you know, worried about things that could happen, whereas Lorca maybe charges ahead of decision-making, which would, if he is responsible, which it's heavily suggested here directly by him that he directed Burnham to his ship. He took the yeah. most infamous person in the galaxy to get his ship doing something. Yeah, and he in his, and he and he decided that like actually what I need to get this project going is literally the most heinous war criminal I can find. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like kind of right. Like everyone implies that this is the first mutineer in Starfleet history. She started this war, all they, this stuff. They lay on her that she started the war. I don't quite understand that logic. I don't either. Uh, after thinking about events, it, that's not how it goes. So right. I don't right. know. Oh, well. <laughs> yep. Oh, well. Uh, I, I still am cautiously interested in some more episodes, but I'm, I don't know. Now that we're like, okay, this is the ship. This will be what it is. Hopefully we're going to see the adventures of Michael on this weird science, quote unquote mm-hmm. vessel. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a, Hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where it's going to go. So I'm. Yeah. Do we think that this is a linear thing where we're going to keep going from here, or is it going to be more chopped up into individual stories like most Star Trek? It certainly could go either way based on this setup, right? Right. I think it'll be end up being more linear, but we'll see. I, I feel like that's the kind of storytelling we get these days, so it would likely be that way. I think, um, like you, I'm a little bit more hesitant than i was but i quite like it uh overall in terms of its aesthetic like just, oh yeah it just looks so beautiful. good and it feels even though it even though the uniforms are all different and the technology doesn't look the same or anything it still kind of feels like star trek in a way even if maybe its heart doesn't feel that way it's like if you bought the same brand of jeans forever and then they change up the cut a little bit you're like, oh, they still look good. They fit a little weird the first couple of times you put them on, but yeah, yeah, that's like a good analogy, actually. Yeah. Wow. 
on that note, if somebody has a good pair of jeans brand. Uh, yeah, feel free to send them to us at podcast at weweregamers.com. Uh, you, that's our e- email. Yeah. If you uh, don't, don't spoil stuff for us in the emails. <laughs> yeah, we would, we would prefer not to be spoiled on this. Uh, we're, we're watching trying it at our own pace. But we'll, so you, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll find the explanations if they're there. Yeah. Uh, you can also, you know, it's only episode three, so. Right, right. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're and, on all uh, those places. Out. YouTube. Yeah. Check out We Were Gamers on YouTube. Subscribe. You can hit that little notification icon on there and uh, get notified when we post our new stuff. All right. He doesn't still have a word, does he? No. no. Well, if he has one, we haven't heard it yet. Yeah. We see them go to warp, but I don't think he. we don't go to the bridge when they go to warp. They just nope. go to warp. Huh. We'll have to find out what his word is. But until then, I guess, uh, since there's been so much Picard news and that Picard trailer we didn't even talk about. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, engage. Engage. <laughs> I, I would watch him grow grapes for two seasons. I know, Andrew. Did I send you guys that uh, hilarious tweet thread of the guy complaining about the grapes? Oh yes, yeah. We should link that in the We Were Gamers thread. Um, yeah, it's so good. It, he's like, "You're telling me that they gave ground crew status to a Labar vintage? The AOC is willing to do this? That's I'm, less believable." I'm okay with them retrellising because maybe that things got phylloxera and then they were like, "Actually, the American right. way is better." But, uh. Yeah, giving Grand Cru to something that's not in the right place is not a good idea. That's not something they would ever do. Right, yeah. Anyway, like, obviously, you know, that's, like, who cares uh, thing, but also, like, very funny. (laughs) I read that to my parents, and they were, my dad was, like, chuckling. floor, yeah. And my mom was like, what are you guys talking about? (laughs) She's not really into Star Trek, and then also, like, not. But not as deep into the like the winemaking stuff as my dad. So yeah. and I thought it was like this is a very tiny intersection of fandoms right here, and <laughs> I am here for it. I'm the only one. <laughs> yes. All right, man, I gotta run. I feel seen. All right, later, dude. <laughs>